Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. of MTAS Radio, where our purpose is to encourage members of the black community to think about our role and responsibility to ourselves, our families, and the community at large. We believe that choices that people make are a direct result of information that we take in or lack thereof. That's why we want to continue to empower you with information and conversation that will make you think and ultimately lead to the necessary actions where they are so desperately needed. And today we want to invite you to join today's conversation. Um, You can do that by dialing 718 Five zero eight nine five three three. Again, that's seven one eight five zero eight nine five three three. Also, I want to invite you to like us on Facebook, Mighty Adenosaur. Like our page so you can stay abreast of our various updates and um, the various questions that we pose each and every week. Again, you can look forward to um, joining us for these thought-provoking conversations each and every Sunday at five thirty. And also, you can keep abreast to what we're doing as an organization by joining us online at www.m-tas.org. Again, that's www.m-tas.org. Um, you can like us um, that way as well and also read our various blogs and um, and also pose whatever questions and concerns you may have regarding um, MTAS as an organization and some of the other information that you might be running across out there that you might find helpful and useful useful to our cause. Um, I also want to remind you of our quarterly book read, Outwitting the Devil, and each and every month we select one Sunday out of the month to actually review our quarterly book, and for this particular quarter, we've been reviewing Outwitting the Devil, The Secret to Freedom and Success, Napoleon Hill. This is our second discussion dealing with this particular book, so we want to certainly get off into um, this this conversation uh, surrounding Outwitting the Devil, Napoleon Hill, The Secrets to Freedom and Success. Again, this is part two. Um, our first the first time we actually reviewed this particular book, we discussed chapters one through three, and today we wanted to engage in a thought-provoking conversation around chapters four and seven. And joining our call today, we have on the live line. Um, he, he, he's no stranger to our listening listening audience. Uh, we have uh, Mr. Akbar Bayar of the uh, Black Pages International. I believe uh, we have a, a, a new voice joining us, um, Eugene Dalganato. He's also a representative of um, the Black Pages International as well. Um, and I'm gonna, they're going to be joining us on this particular call and conversation. I'm going to um, put out the call right now just to figure out if those two gentlemen are on the line. I see um, there's several callers on the switchboard here. Um, Eugene, are you there? Yes, I am. Good. Okay. Well, welcome to the call. I appreciate you joining the call and uh, for being a first-time participant and a first-time contributor. So thanks again. Always say a pleasure being here. Thank you for inviting me and giving me this opportunity. Absolutely. Absolutely. Akbar, are you there? Yes, I am. 
great, great, great. Mm. Also, I believe uh, I believe uh, we have Shalonda Sloan should be joining the conversation. I'm going to put the call out to her. Shalonda, have you joined the call? Okay, I believe there's something going. Uh, I think there's something um, going wrong with um, her line. But Shalonda, have you joined the call? Okay, she'll uh, she'll be joining us shortly. But I certainly want to get off into the conversation regarding outwitting the devil. Uh, and before we get off to the conversation, I want you to just give us a little uh, a little a, a little background as to what what your thoughts are um, just regarding the book. I know you've been uh, um, along with us on this read for the last sixty days, and we'll continue to um, uh, continue to read this particular book for the next thirty days. Why don't you just give us a little background while I figure out how to get Shalonda on the, on the call here? Good evening. Uh, I am Akbar Bea. Uh The book is, is 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 a good read, but it's not a simple read. It, uh, it's not a book you can just breeze through and set it down. Uh, it takes uh, uh, time. It takes a little contemplation of uh, 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 what you have read, and a lot of consideration because there's a lot of. Uh, 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 new ideas introduced in the book, uh, so it takes a little time and consideration to uh, uh, kind of uh, uh, digest some of the information that's presented in the book. Uh, I, I really enjoy the book. I'm a fan of Napoleon Hill and just about everything that he has uh, uh, published. Um, uh, I've read most of his materials, as far as I know, is just pretty much anything I can get my hands on that he's published. And I really uh, appreciate this particular uh, uh, book. Absolutely, absolutely. I certainly I appreciate you for sharing that. And I don't want to belabor the time here. I believe we have Solanda on the line now. Solanda, are you there with us now? Hey, John, how's it going? I'm doing wonderful. I'm doing wonderful. I appreciate you for joining the conversation as always. It should be a very no, thank uh thank you for having me. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well guys, look, look here, we have a lot to cover. Uh we have chapters four through seven to get get through. We'll do the best we can to um get through as many questions and concepts as we can within um the next forty five minutes. So I wanna um get right to it here. Um Napoleon asked the devil at the opening of chapter four. Tell me first about your most clever trick, the one you used to snare the greatest number of people. The devil's response was fear and ignorance. And by forcing me to tell how I use the tools of fear and ignorance, I will lose control of millions if they learn this lesson. Solanda, I want to start with you. When you think about what was said about the tools of fear and ignorance and how this method can trap and injure millions of people, can you kind of relate to what was said um, in Chapter 4 relative to the tool of fear and ignorance and how it traps millions of people? Definitely, because, you know, when you talk about uh, fear, fear is not something that you, that is actually tangible. And pretty much we make it tangible. And so, unfortunately, you know, because a lot of people um, do suffer from, as you say, that, uh, into, what is it, the ITD? <laughs> That's right, the intellectually transmitted disease. Um, you know, because of ignorance um, and, and by force of habit, because, you know, they all relate um, to each other. You know, we, we have a habit of being fearful. And, you know, and unfortunately we do tend to live in ignorance at times. And, you know, the media um, and the various uh, social media outlets play such an important role by keeping people uh, in some type of um, bondage or uh, because a lot of people, they take uh, verbatim what the media says and, you know, or what's posted on social media because people are too lazy to actually, you know, go out and find the information, uh, you know, and, and see if it's even any value to it. You know, so people live like on the reality shows. Um, they live their lives through these things, and unfortunately, you know, they become lazy. Um, you know, they're not motivated. Uh, they tend to blame everybody except themselves, you know, for their own situations that they've gotten themselves into. And so because, you know, these bad habits that, you know, develop over an extended period of time, you know, um, this is who who people become. And so they can't see beyond 
their current situations because, unfortunately, um, you know, because they're exposed to just such negativity um, and they feed off that, um, and it plays on their fears as well. So, you know, because of all these negative influences, people tend to just drift. You know, they, they don't understand their real potential. They don't understand, you know, that they have enough power to actually become something more than you know, uh, how the media portray, you know, certain, um, you know, groups of people. I follow. I follow. Akbar, I want to get you in on um, the question here. When you consider and think about what was said about fear and ignorance, can you see how this method can trap and injure millions of people? Uh, yes, I can, and this is uh, Napoleon Hill brings it out, but it's not um, it's not new. It goes back way back. Uh, in fact, what methods were used against uh, Africans when they were brought to America to control them? Fear and ignorance. Uh, the uh, uh, slave was made to fear their masters. And it was against the law to educate slaves. Why? Uh, the fear was a controlling mechanism, and ignorance is a controlling mechanism for the slave master. So as long as we were kept ignorant, it was easier to control us. Okay? It's the getting of knowledge, the gaining of knowledge, wisdom, and understanding that frees us. And it's the learning that uh, uh, fear is an instrument that limits you. When you learn that, then you no longer want to fear, and therefore you can find ways to free yourself. See, so basically, uh, uh, it's 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 a, it's, it's a, a old weapon that's been used throughout history, and uh, that's uh, it was easy for me to see how fear and ignorance can be used because uh, we have a history of how it's been used against us. I follow. I follow. Gene, I want to get you in on the conversation. Again, I appreciate you for joining the call and um, the contribution that you will make here um, to the conversation this evening. What's your take on the whole idea of fear and ignorance and how this method is used to trap millions of people? Eugene. Well, I, I can't speak for millions of people. I can only speak for myself. I can only review the ignorance that I once had and the fear that uh, prevented me from living a life of peace, health, and wealth. And so as I became mindful of Napoleon Hill's uh, book, Outweighing the Devil and Others, I strove to come up with a formula. And one of the formulas that I use is each time I'm afraid of something that I realize that it is a choice of mine to either give in to that fear or to replace it with faith. And that uh, fear appears moment after moment because as soon as uh, you've overcome one fear, then there comes something else that uh, you are uh, afraid of. And so each time I was able to muster the faith to combat or to face that fear, what I learned uh, as a result justified me um, facing another fear and another fear and one after the other. And so um, that formula I started to use uh, more and more frequently. And when we talk about ignorance, ignorance of what? Well, ignorance of one's own divinity. Because um, once I understood that I was divine, that I was um, the divine appearing as an individual, then um, I understood that it was whatever life, whatever I was experiencing in life was a direct correlation to my not being ignorant of my own divinity, not being ignorant of other people's divinity, so that um, when I met them, whether they were aware of that or not, I could honor that. And so uh, from that point on, um, my formula resulted in just being, just being uh, every moment living life to the maximum uh, as if there wouldn't be another moment. And so as I started to develop that habit, then my life began to change, my business began to change, my relationships uh, to people began to change, and I began to attract books like uh, Outwitting the Devil, 
<laughs> and I begin to read them and to understand them. I see. I see. Great point. Great point. Uh, so I want to bring you back in here on the conversation here. On page 73, Napoleon talks about habits. How important are habits in the lives of an individual? And what did you learn about the devil's use of the principle of habit? Well, the, the funny thing with habits is that, you know, we all have them, you know, whether uh, they're good or bad. Um, the unfortunate part is is that, you know, sometimes um, we don't spend enough time trying to break the bad habits. And so as uh, Napoleon um, uh, and the devil are actually, you know, talking about, you know, how powerful habits are, you know, um, he actually goes into great detail about how these habits um, actually starts in your childhood, you know, um, where, you know, uh, as you know, when you're a child, uh, certain things are actually embedded in you at an early age, you know, and so if you see uh, pretty much nothing but bad habits taking place amongst, let's say, your parents, when you grow up, you would think that these habits are actually good when, in fact, they are not, you know, so he pretty much utilizes this tool as a way of, you know, as a, in a way of, if you stay in a situation of uh, just bad habits, in a sense it's still a form of control and ignorance because, you know, there's a saying that, you know, practice makes perfect, but if you're practicing the wrong thing, then, you know, you're not really getting anything out of it. But if I can keep you in a, in a state of mind where, you know, uh, like a habit of being lazy, you know, not motivated to do anything, you know, uh, you're, you're pretty much going to be induced all the time to be tired, you know. So the, the the devil uses this tool as a way to pretty much keep you uh, unmotivated to want to do anything, you know, to break these bad habits. That's why you have a lot of these uh, various uh, motivational speakers and, you know, uh, let's say time management classes and different things because we are we get so consumed by these habits that actually become a part of our lives. So the, the way how you have to out with the devil is to be able to actually uh, find ways of breaking those habits that are not uh, positive to you or any good to you and be able to uh, move beyond that. But unfortunately, the way how the devil ends up, you know, controlling so many people is because people are just in a state of mind where, you know, they constantly uh, have these bad habits and they're, you know, and they just just don't want to break away from them. Or they say that they do this, but they don't put forth the effort you know, to do so or to move forward. Makes sense to me. Makes sense to me. Agba, I want to get you back in here on the conversation. How important are habits in the lives of individuals? And what did you what did you learn about the devil's use of the principle of habit? Well, the devil says that basically he uses habit as a way of slipping into your mind and taking control. Habits are a natural thing. I mean, you know, uh, we are creatures of habit, okay? And even at one point in the book, uh, it is mentioned, you know, the fact that uh, that mind is nothing more than the sum total of one's habits. So the habits that we take on, they are formed through what we do repeatedly and eventually it becomes a habit, which means that it functions without any thought, okay? It's something that we begin to do is almost like naturally, you know. Uh, so uh, just like eating, you know, we uh, once we learn how to eat on our own, uh, we eat and really uh, are not aware of how we eat most of the time, you know. I see. And so these, this is a way that the, uh, 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 the devil can slip in and start to control because now you're not conscious of what you're doing, okay? And when when you're not thinking, that allows the devil to step in because the devil is always thinking, and the only person that the devil cannot trick is a thinker. That's true. Okay. And John, okay. if I can actually um, jump in um, and piggyback off what Akbar is saying, let's first, um, if we go back to page 73 and really just uh, let the listeners know um, what a drifter is. Um, and and pretty you. much drifters are people that can't think for themselves. You know, so unfortunately 
these are the people that live in a constant state of ignorance 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Now, if, if you're constantly living in a state of ignorance, then as uh, the devil and Napoleon are pretty much talking, you know, uh, as he says that one of his cleverest tricks is that he enters the minds of people through thoughts which they believe to be their own. The most useful to me are fear, superstition, uh, greed, uh, anger, vanity, plain laziness. And he goes into details and says that he gets his best results when he's able to take charge of a mind while it's young before its owner has learned how to close any of these nine doors. Then I can set up habits which keep the doors ajar forever. So now if we start going into habits, you, if you are not a thinker and you have all these various habits in place, whether it's laziness, uh, whether it's, you know, being a procrastinator, you know, and you develop all these various habits, you're going to be drifting from habit to habit where you really never get a chance to accomplish anything. And if we can keep people in, in, in a state of where they're constantly just drifting and, and they don't know that they have the power to make their own choices or decisions, that, that they have been equipped from day one with these tools that they just needed to be developed, that is why you have so many people drifting out here because they don't know how to think on their own. You know, they are so easily influenced that they believe pretty much any or everything. You know, if I told you the sky was uh, yellow, you know, and I can convince you to believe that, you know, then you're going to, you know, your beliefs, you know, you're going to pretty much believe anything I tell you. And that's why a lot of these people, unfortunately, are so easily influenced by media and friends and uh, uh, greed, fear, you know, that they are in a constant state of ignorance. And that's why, you know, uh, uh, why a lot of people tend to stay in poverty, you know, because they don't understand that they've been given riches, riches by having the ability to think for themselves. You know, so instead, you know, they live in constant fear, which is another habit, you know, and, and therefore they're not able to live the, the way they're supposed to be living because they, they can't break out of these, these cycles or these bad habits that have been developed. I see, I see. Eugene, I want to get you back in um, on a conversation here, but before um, I ask you this question here, I want to share off page 73 um, one of the answers that um, the devil gives by way of habits. He says, my greatest weapon over human beings consists of two secret principles by which I control, I gain control of their minds. I will speak first of the principle of habit through which I silently enter the minds of people by operating through this this principle. I established the habit of drifting. When a person begins to drift on any subject, he is headed straight towards the gates of what you earthbound call hell. Eugene, considering that, what's your whole thoughts um, and concept about the importance of habits in the lives of individuals? Well, um, I realize that where I am at this moment is a result of habits. Is a result of um, my viewing myself in a certain way and um, staying focused on a particular goal that I may have set um, and coming to the realization that um, whatever I had in life, um, whatever successes or failures that um, I had incurred was a result of habits that I had set in motion. Um, be it the habit of what I thought about, uh, what I talked about, um, what I did, whom I associated with, all of that contributed to the present uh, space um, that I occupy. And so um, as I came to that realization, again, I started to um, seek out others whose habits mirrored mine and um, who could, if I had a goal that I hadn't attained, to talk to people who were already there and to get them to partner with me uh, or share with me the habits that it had enabled them to get there. And so I realized that the habits, um, once you have begun to do a thing, um, for instance, um, getting up early in the morning um, gives you an opportunity to get ahead um, 
of others who may not get up until 9 or 10 o'clock. So just the habit of doing that uh, or the habit of planning on a Sunday evening what I intend to do for the rest of the week. And so as I began to put in place those kind of habits, and those kind of habits um, had been passed on to be to me by others who had successfully achieved their goals. And so habits is, is, is certainly key. I follow. I follow. Eugene, I want you to stay there. The devil tells Napoleon, if you drift in one direction, soon you will be drifting in all directions. He also states that he used environmental habits to get a stronger grip on his victims in the book Outwitting the Devil. Can violence, poor planning, low academic performance, and failure to fulfill our dreams and goals be the result of environmental habits? Eugene. Um, I'm, 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 you know, that's, that's a tricky one because, um, when you start, in my view, accepting, uh, environmental habits, um, then you start to say that, um, I'm a victim of circumstances and I'm a victim of my environment. And, uh, I certainly don't believe that, um, I feel that, um, if you spend enough time in focusing on um, your interior plans, um, secretly planning, then you will have already set in motion uh, environmentally uh, what you're going to receive as a result. Uh, otherwise, um, you know, you've been tricked by your own mind because I really don't believe uh, in a devil. I believe there's only one power. And, and I believe that, it, that as soon as we start talking about uh, a power other than ourselves, I think that I've been my own devil and my own saint, and I chose sure. to be one or the other. You know, And so the more I chose to be my own saint to save myself and to realize that I alone had the capacity to do that, then outwardly in circumstances and environment, then uh, they started to appear. Final case in point. Um, I was having a conversation with another brother earlier today, and he told me about this show. Now, a moment ago, I had no knowledge of this show, but because this is the kind of knowledge that I seek, then I added that show to my environment, and here I am on the phone talking to you now. I follow. I follow. But I want to get you back in on the conversation. I think Eugene make a very um, um, solid point there. Uh, what's your take by way of environmental habits? Um, can that be the reasons for violence, poor planning, low academic performance, and failure to fulfill dreams and goals? Well, I'm of the same mind that uh, Brother Eugene is of. Uh, I look for ways to solve any problem that I encounter, okay, uh, and to 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 speak about uh, the environment that I come up in as being responsible for uh, my own ignorance is only to uh, uh, is a cop out for me, and I, I just can't take that. You know, I am responsible, and as uh, Brother Eugene said, there's only one power. You know. And uh, I'm not separated from that power. I and that power are one. Therefore, uh, I don't recognize uh, no other power, including the devil, because if there is a devil, you're talking to him right now. Okay? <laughs> so uh, 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 I don't. I, I am responsible now. When I was a kid and I had no choice, okay, Yes, environment can play a part, even as he speaks about here that your parents, teachers, and preachers, and so forth, you understand, uh, uh, can be used by uh, uh, the so-called devil to uh, influence you. But at some point, you understand, I got to set a, set aside childish things and become a man. And that, to me, becoming a man means being responsible for me. Okay, so therefore I have a choice in the say. My grandmother may have said, don't do this or do that. The teacher may have said, be to school at a certain time and blah, blah, we and blah, blah, that. But at a certain point, I made the decision whether I was going to go to school or not. 
I made the decision of whether I was going to honor what my grandmother said or not. And I realized that I do have a say in the matter. And I start choosing things different from what was coming to me from my environment. And uh, I'm grateful that I was able in, at an early age to, to make a lot of decisions that was good for me, that were good for me. And uh, um, that's what this whole, for me, what life is all about, is learning to be the best you that you can be. And you can only do that when you take responsibility. And this is what the uh, the so-called devil here is saying. If you're a thinker, I can't mess with you. See, hmm. it's only those that are not thinking that I can deal with, that take whatever life gives them and accepts that and just flow with that. Not me. I can't do that. Okay? And so uh, uh, I don't accept the fact that environment has, I put it like this, the environment does not have a permanent influence on me uh, 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 throughout my life. No. I follow. I follow. Solana, can we move on uh, from that question, or you have a a variation of uh, thought? Actually, uh, just a little bit. Uh, First of all, I think we've all been, as we say, victims of our environment because the the reality of it is uh, wherever you live, whether you were born into a rich family or a poor, you know, uh, that is your environment, you know, that you were brought into. And so one thing that I did like about on page 74 uh, when he talks about physical heredity, you know, whereas, uh, you know, um, this is what you pretty much have been born into, you know, so – if your environment has already, you know, been pretty much uh, preordained in a sense or you were born into a certain situation, then, yes, I truly do believe that, you know, um, if you grew up in the projects, for example, and, you know, you were surrounded around, you know, heavy gang violence, you know, seeing people uh, doing drug deals, you know, and all the various negativity. And, unfortunately, let's say your parents, for example, you know, you didn't have a father at home, um, or he was in and out of jail, unfortunately. Your mom's, you know, she may not have been working or whatever, and she may have been on public assistance. Then if you look at the environment that that, that young child is actually involved in or surrounded around, there's really nothing positive, you know, in, in that environment. So if a, if a kid is exposed to, you know, negative situations all the time, you know, then he's going to want to grow up. If he sees, you know, that the drug dealers are making, you know, uh, money and they're driving nice and they're living good, then he may, he or she may be influenced by greed, you know, which is also another habit. Um, And keep in mind, these things are developed early on by these lovely influencers who could be the preachers, the teachers, and so forth. And and so when the child sees this and when they get older, guess what? They want to mimic just what they've been exposed to. So I do believe that, um, you know, your situ- you know, as a child, environment you know, could you potentially play a role. Yeah, it, it does. Yeah, it plays it plays a significant role. And, and you know, you you hear the saying how, um, you know, you have certain athletes. You know, they were you know they from the hood, and you know here they've been given an opportunity. You know, well, those are some of your thinkers because while, you know, the, the other kids, you know, may have been out here hanging with the gangbangers and they only, uh, you know, saw their limitations, you have this one kid that says, wait a minute, the light came on. I, you know, maybe they were watching TV, maybe they saw something, or maybe somebody, a teacher at school, put something in their ear that you can be more than your environment. Some kids may have taken it like, you don't live where I live, but you got that one kid that says, you know what, I want to be more than my environment. And that kid actually excels. In spite of what his situation is, he's a thinker. So he's thinking of ways early on how to get out of my out of this negative environment and into something that's better. You know, so uh, I do believe that, you know, your environment does play a role, you know, um, in, you know, in pretty much how you it, how you become. It takes a very strong individual to see beyond that. To, yeah, well, I, I I can appreciate what I what I hear. Um, the three of you saying there was some diversity of thought and opinion there, and I, I respect um, um, all of what I heard. It was stated that failure is a virtue when it does not lead us to quit trying. Uh, when it does not lead us to quit trying and drift. 
but according to the devil, in chapter 5, not one out of 10,000 will keep trying after failing two or three times. Why does failure make us quit? Akbar. Uh, well, I don't really know why failure makes people quit. I see it around me all the time. And again, I uh, I don't accept that. I don't like losing, period. So why other people like losing, I don't know, okay? Uh, as long as I can wake up in the morning and I got the ability to breathe, to get out the bed, you understand, and to stretch, I'm fine. I got it made for the day, okay? My faculties are function, you understand? I don't care how bad yesterday was or how bad uh, the conditions are when I wake up. I'm fine, and I will make it through the day, you know. So I don't, you know, I don't know why uh, people quit other than the fact of plain laziness and indifference to their own particular self and not tying the uh, 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 their experiences into how to move forward. See, failure is not something that is designed to keep you down. It's designed as a stepping stone for you to rise above that situation. And you can only rise above it by thinking. And that's why the devil says he controlled 98% of the people because 98% of the people are not going to care. They're going to be indifferent to whatever happens to them, and they're going to take whatever life throws at them, and that's it. I'm not in that 98%. I hear you. I hear you, Jane. I want to get you. Um, I want to get your thoughts here. Failure is a virtue when it does not lead us to quit trying and drift. But according to the devil, not one out of ten thousand will keep trying after failing two or three times. Why does failure make people quit? Because they don't have a passionate goal or purpose that they seek to achieve. Um, all of those who have been wildly successful um, had a passion or a purpose or a girlfriend or a husband or something that they were pursuing. And in pursuit of that, and I was watching earlier today um, In Pursuit of Happiness, the uh, film that um, Will Smith played in, and, and uh, Will kept going over and over again because he was really in pursuit of happiness. And so he didn't look at failure um, as failure. Um, he looked at failure as uh, getting it out of the way as a stepping stone. He understood one of Napoleon Hill's axioms that says, uh, in every so-called failure, there's a seed of equal or greater benefit. And so you just need to keep that purpose or that passion in front of you and to continue to pursue it. And the devil knows that um, many of us, um, having first selected a passion or purpose that we think about it um, late at night, we wake up thinking about it. And, and as children, um, you know, when we fantasize, we have that capacity. So that's why I think Scripture says that um, you have to, to be as a child, you have to exercise that faith over and over again. And so those of us who do that and have made that a habit are wildly successful. <laughs> are wildly successful, and and um, that's what I would uh, like to pass on to those who are listening. That uh, the first thing that uh, separated me from my own my old devil self was uh, being thankful that uh, those so-called failures were uh, in front of me because realistically, so-called realistically, <laughs> uh, I learned more from them than I did my so-called successes. And so then when uh, an obstacle or um, um, something uh, was momentarily in my way, I would always bring that to mind of those previous times when uh, fear um, was in the way and I had the choice at that moment to decide whether it was going to be fear or whether it was going to be faith, whether I was going to continue to believe in my own old my individual God self, or was I going to create um, uh, 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 a villain 
or continue to be a victim. I see. I see. So I want to move to the next question here. On page 116, the devil gives 10 methods or strategies to gain power in our lives and break the habit of drifting. Of the 10 methods, which one resonated with you the most? Hmm. Actually, I would probably say um, uh, analyze temporary defeat. Um mm. And actually, I think on page 117, to just uh, read it verbatim, um, analyze temporary defeat no matter uh, what nature or cause and extract from it the seed of an equivalent advantage. Um, I, I just want to make sure I'm on, uh, I'm on the right page. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay, okay. Um, you know, because actually, uh, you know, sometimes in our lives, you know, when you've been defeated, you know, or as in failure, sometimes we don't look at defeat. We don't look at defeat as actually being successful, you know. And so uh, when you've been defeated, it, it, what does it do? You know, defeat messes with your self-esteem and messes with your confidence. You know, um, all these things relate to how you think, you know, how you perceive yourself. You know, so if you, you know, um, uh, try to complete a task, you know, and you're defeated, or I used to be an athlete, I used to play ball. And, um, you know, unfortunately, because I'm a little height challenge, I was always point guard. And so, you know, when you uh, go visit different schools and you play, you know, you know you have certain skills, but, you know, as a whole team, you know, it takes a team, not just one man, to win a game. You know, so if you lose the game, you know, maybe, you know, I, I didn't make the winning shot or something, I may look at that in, in itself as being, you know, a form of defeat, you know, so it may mess with my self-esteem. Now, you know, all of a sudden, you know, my, my mind is playing tricks on me. Well, you know you're not that good of a player. You know, you know you're know, you a little short. You know, you know you're not going to uh, be able to, you know, uh, compete against certain people because of certain challenges or limitations. You know, so I could actually take that as defeat and say, wow, you know what, absolutely, you know. And, but yet, for people who are more driven, you know, because I'm one of those people that, that thinks, so I'm probably in, in that 2%. Um, I personally will take that as a challenge. You know what? I may need to work on these skills a little more. I may need to develop my craft more. You know, I may need, need to be able to just, you know, see, you know, where, where my weaknesses are so I can develop them and turn them into strengths. So now that temp, short period or short-term defeat that I had experienced, you know, because I truly believe, and, and, and I hope people take this to heart, that there is success in defeat. I'll just say that again, that there is success in defeat. Because in mm. order for you to understand success, you have to be able to embrace defeat. You know, and embracing defeat doesn't necessarily mean that you're down. It just means that, you know what, I'm going to keep pushing and pushing until I make something happen. You know, people define success as just being, you know, as you completing something. Success actually means when you have attempted <laughs> You know, if if you are attempting to accomplish something and you're passionate about it, then no matter how many times you are defeated, you're going to keep pushing until you actually make it. You know, so you will experience some short-term, you know, defeats. I mean, even in people's personal lives, whether it's in relationships, whether it's in their work life, family, you will experience, you know, certain uh, things that will make you, you know, uh, feel temporarily defeated, you know, uh, mess with your self-esteem, uh, make you feel that you're not, you know, worth more than what you really are. But once you tap into that other self and understand, you know, uh, the power within, and, and you learn to take control uh, uh, of your thoughts and start becoming a thinker, then you will understand that, you know, I'm going to take these these defeats and 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 become a stronger person. And once you take those steps, then that will definitely lead you to the path of success. I appreciate that. I appreciate that, Akbar. Uh, the devil gives, gives ten methods or strategies to gain power in our lives and break the habit of drifting. Of the ten methods, which one resonated with you the most? Uh, well, actually, the last three, eight, nine, and ten. But uh, uh, I'm going. I'm going to go. I'm going to go with just one. I just. Go, I'm going to go with one, and that would be. Uh, number eight, when you okay. pray, do not beg. Demand what you want and insist upon getting exactly that. 
with no substitution. Mm. Did, you, did you hear what I said, John? I did. I heard it loud and clear. Good I heard man. It loud. Eugene, did you hear him? Eugene, did you hear him? Yes, <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> All right, okay. All right. We heard you, Akbar. All right, that's good. There you go. Keep the good work up, John. <laughs> <laughs> Eugene, what's your take on that? Uh, he gives ten methods. Uh, did any of those ten methods uh, strike you uh, specifically? Yeah, the, I'm, I'm inclined to uh, choose the one that I mentioned because uh, since you are the divine appearing as whomever um, so-called human incarnation that you perceive yourself to be, uh, this power that you are, it is power. And, and you have to speak as though it's power. You have to think as though it's power. You have to act as though it's power. And um, one of my mentors said that whatever you put after I am, you decree. So you have to be very careful. So um, in an elevator pitch now, I introduce myself by saying I am a creator, and I create opportunities for my clients to bring peace, health, and wealth to their business. And I do this through my print and online directory and through my reality TV show, The Adolphin Tank. And I've done it for hundreds of thousands of people. I've allowed them to earn thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars. But the key is I am. So whatever you put behind I am, you become. And so since that is your real identity, um, you have to, again, uh, think as though you are. You have to be the thing first. You have to be the thing within your own quiet uh, inner self. And then what you find is that the exterior manifests as that. And I gave that example earlier when I said that a moment ago, I did not know of this call. And I've known you a while. But a moment later, because I sought to be more than I was the moment that preceded this and understood that the universe is constantly expanding and I'm constantly manifesting what in reality I am. I follow. I follow. Well, I want to cheat here. I want to share with you guys something that resonated with me, <laughs> if that's okay. Um, number nine, he said, recognize that life is a cruel taskmaster and that either you master it or it masters you. There's no halfway or compromising point. Never accept from life anything you do not want. If that if that which you do not want is temporarily forced upon you, you can refuse in your own mind to accept it, and it will make way for the things you do want. I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, Sulan, I want to bring you back here on the conversation here. Um, earlier, we discussed the principle of habit and how habits can serve our greatest good or work against us. In Chapter 6, the devil says that the last stage of habit is rhythm. On page 143 through 144, what's your thoughts about this notion of hypnotic rhythm? Well, first of all, um, when we talk about hypnotic rhythm, um, I just want to make sure that uh, we, uh, you know, let people know what it actually uh, is. And so I think in uh, one of Napoleon's uh, questions, um, he had, you know, mentioned that, you know, hypnotic rhythm is something resembling a magnet which attracts things for which it has a magnetic affinity. You know, so pretty much uh, just like, you know, if you have poor people or, as he says, the poverty-stricken community, if you tend to hang around people, you know, uh, of that same uh, uh, likeness, you know, then, as he says, you know, it explains the saying, misery loves company, you know. So, and it also explains, you know, why you have people that are not as successful. So when you understand hypnotic rhythm, um, it's, you know, it's something that uh, attracts. So um, let's say you tend to, a better example would be, let's say you uh, tend to be around people who, you know, are very negative, you know, and uh, they really don't want anything out of life. And if you constantly be around people like that, they're going to drain your energy, you know. So next thing you know, you start thinking negative, negatively, you know. And, and so uh, now you've become, 
you know, just 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 like those other people. You know, so that's why if you tend to hang around people who are like-minded, you know, positive movers, makers, people who are passionate about what they do, people that make things happen, then that's going to attract you. And guess what? It's going to motivate you to want to become a mover and shaker, you know, and make things happen. So when you understand how powerful hypnotic rhythm is and that a lot of people, unfortunately, um, you know, because they're not thinkers and they're more drifters, people in that community tend to drift together, you know. So that's why you have people that are not motivated, that, you know, don't like change, you know, or they are afraid of change because people in their community, you know, are afraid of change. And so that that was something that was very powerful uh, that did come out of this uh, statement. Absolutely, absolutely. Akbar, in Chapter 6, the devil says that the last stage of habit is rhythm. He says that we all have a certain rhythm. Every individual has a rhythm. Every home, every community, every business has a rhythm. What's your notion of this hypnotic rhythm? What's your understanding? Okay, uh, the hypnotic rhythm that I I believe he's speaking of here is uh, basically... Uh, the level of vibration that you're on. Uh, it's the same, I'm, we're saying the same thing. Uh, negative thoughts vibrate on a particular level, okay? Positive thoughts va- vibrate on a particular level. If you're vibrating on a negative level, you're going to pull to you everything that's on that level. So, that's an example. You may not be thinking about getting sick. Well, you got a bunch of sick thoughts in your head, then you're subject to catch a, a, a depth of pneumonia, okay? The same way with, like Eugene said earlier, you're thinking positive and you're open to uh, a, a improvement and doing better in life and helping people, you're going to uh, uh, vibrate on that level, on a higher level, and then you run into somebody that introduces you to something that is beneficial to you and others. See, that's that hypnotic rhythm. You know, it's uh, again, the, the law of attraction plays in this because all of that works in order. See, you, the creator didn't make no mistakes. So everything works in order, in harmony. You know, it may not seem like that to some, but basically that's the way it works. Uh, uh, um, there's no accidents in the universe. And that hypnotic rhythm is basically vibration, you know, energy vibration. And whatever level you're vibrating on, whether it's low or high, anywhere in between, that's what you're going to attract you, whatever is on that particular level. Mm. That's interesting. Uh, on page 142, he says, these negative states of mind, I just heard you mention Akbar and I also heard Solanda mention it, um, these negative states of mind cause people to form the habit of drifting. This habit crystallizes into permanency through the law of hypnotic rhythm. Then the victim is helpless to help himself. And um, that I found that that statement to be quite deep when you consider uh, what you just said, Akbar, by way of hypnotic rhythm and how rhythm being the last form of the habit. Now you have this whole sense of uh, a permanent state of being, if you will. It's not permanent in the sense that the individual cannot choose differently, but it seems like it's an inescapable tra- trap, and I, I, I believe that's where we get the whole notion of birds of a feather flock together or the richer get richer. Well, why is that? or the poor get poor, or why is that? To some degree, he kind of explains that when he talks about this hypnotic rhythm that creates this sense of permanency, where people tend to not be able to break that cycle. Eugene, what's your thoughts on that, uh, just considering what was said on, on page 40, uh, 142 about that sense of permanency that people tend to set up in their life? I'm, su- I'm sure you've witnessed that in your line of work. Well, you know, um for most of us, and and, and uh, I have to again speak uh, of myself in terms of what happened to me, um, to come out of that seemingly uh, permanent situation, um, there has to be um, perhaps, in my opinion, a life-threatening sickness or you uh, lose your job or someone dies or something catastrophic uh, occurs that shakes you out of that temporary funk uh, 
get you in. Um, Sharonda mentioned about um, being a ball player and, and how uh, in playing ball you you have you're in a certain rhythm uh, or you're in a certain zone. You remember when, when Michael Jordan would get in a zone, he couldn't miss. Um, and so it's it's being able to, to hypnotize yourself because in essence that's that's what you're doing, getting in a, a certain rhythm, getting in a certain vibratory uh, rate and, and recognizing that uh, in so doing, um, you create enough power to do, accomplish, or be whatever, you know, you want to be. But finally, just to kind of reiterate what I said about that, that for me, uh, I had to uh, come close to uh, losing my business, losing my wife, uh, losing my life, before um, I realized that uh, I needed to take control over my thinking, over uh, my choice of words and um, habits and people that I hung around. Um, And I believe that ultimately um, that's where the larger uh, segment of the society is going, that they'll have to experience a, a dire calamity before uh, they'll uh, be uh, awoken from their lethargy. And so uh, that's, um, that's, gee, that's my response. No, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Um, Akbar, I'm, um, I'm going to ask you guys, we have roughly about 10 minutes left in the conversation, so we have two final questions, so we want to get through this as briefly as possible. Um, the claim was made by Napoleon, if... If I understand you correctly, correctly speaking to the devil, you are admitting that no human being needs to fear the devil or worry how to flatter God. What's your understanding of this claim? Um, it seems to me, Akbar, that most of us have been taught to do just the opposite, both fear the devil and flatter God. What's your thoughts on that in two minutes? You're absolutely correct in that, John. We've been taught the opposite way. Because the devil, basically your majesty, controls 98% of the people. Okay? He can't get next to you if he's telling you the truth. Okay? So the lie has to come about. Okay? First of all, fear stifles an individual. Okay? And should I fear my father or should I love my father? and respect my father, okay? That's a difference. Should I fear God or should I love and respect the creator? It's a difference. So I don't fear the devil and I don't fear God because I wasn't created to fear anything because if if I fear anything, right there, just the fact that I fear anything puts me on a lower vibration. And that's not where I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be on a high vibration. I'm supposed to rise above anything that would hold me down from being the best person that I can possibly be. And I cannot be the best person that I can possibly be by fearing anything or anybody. And that includes God or the devil. I follow. I follow. Guys, again, we have roughly uh, about five minutes left in the conversation. Solanda, I want to bring you back in here. Um, do you find this book, Solanda, controversial or challenging? And what do you think people can learn by reading it? <laughs> um, for me, uh, I think it's a little bit of both because, uh, it, it, first of all, when uh, I never forget, I asked someone, you know, um, had they ever read the book, I Wouldn't the Devil, and the first thing they think of is religion, you know, so if, you know, you actually try to bring this type of um, book into uh, the church, unfortunately it will probably be the, you'll probably be called the devil yourself for bringing something like this to church because honestly it probably goes against everything that people in the church have been taught. And that's why the church, unfortunately, and this is just my personal well, I opinion. I hope I'm preaching, I'm listening. And, uh, well, hey, uh, hopefully they learn something today. Um, uh, you have a lot of pastors, you know, in the church, and unfortunately a lot of those pastors, and I'm not knocking them, but you do have a lot of pastors that are drifters, and unfortunately these, this message is being taught 
you know, two congregations and, you know, and they're drifting. That's why you have so many people, you know, that they think the church is just a haven for depression. You know, that it's, you know, I can only go to the church when I have a problem, you know, whereas that's not what the church was designed for, you know. So, you know, another way to control people, you know. So, unfortunately, I mean, it is a very controversial um, book because a lot of people, you know, uh, don't understand, you know, they, they're, they haven't been unplugged. You know, they, they don't understand, um, you know, the truth about God and the devil, you know, that it exists in each one of us. You know, they, they haven't uh, reached that, that level to, you know, of enlightenment. So, unfortunately, this would be a very controversial piece. Um, but it's a challenge, too, because it's, it's where well, the challenges come into play is trying to get people to understand the truth. But because, you know, these people have developed these habits that have been developed since childhood, it's very difficult, you know, to try to get people to see, you know, uh, beyond their situation and to really see the truth for what it really is. Great point, great point. Eugene, do you find this book controversial or challenging, and what do you think people can learn by reading it? Well, um, the book is certainly controversial. It was kept off the market for for about 80 years. You know, this book was was written and published uh, decades ago. And so, um, you know, they waited until Napoleon Hill had passed and his wife had passed before they even thought about printing the book. Um, It's a book that um, provides you with what I believe a primary truth in that uh, you yourself are the one power. And... Um, that's a huge challenge. I believe we're in that era. I believe that um, that's why you're seeing the millionaires and billionaires are, are manifesting because um, one's individual productivity is being heightened. So I've changed my entire strategy, uh, John. Uh, what I do now is simply look for other enlightened people, and you saw that uh, in our publication because I believe now that we are heading for a huge collision, and, and that collision is that um, the old teachings that were in the school, you see a collapse of the school system, you see a collapse of the, the religious system, and you see a collapse because those distortions uh, is what held us uh, ensnared for decades and so we're going to reach a collision, and once we reach that collision, then you're going to have individuals like yourself and others who are taking responsibility and being accountable for one's life, and uh, that's where we are. Otherwise, that book wouldn't be in print now, and it wouldn't be such a controversial book because it challenges everything, <laughs> everything that was taught and is still being taught within the school system and within the churches and, and you name it. So it's a very controversial and, and eye-opening book. Great point, great point. Akbar, looks like you got a final word on this one. Um, do you think this book is controversial or challenging, and what can people learn by reading it? Uh, well, there's a lot to learn from the book, uh, and uh, I would have to say that it's, it's challenging because it does uh, make me think, you know. But, again, uh, look what happened with The Secret when it came out, and I do not think uh, 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 this kind of information came out in the secret. That's just my opinion. It was uh, the law of attraction is very important uh, in how things function throughout the universe. But uh, 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 that was a, uh, it was different, and uh, uh, the church, many churches, uh, 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 reared up against that. They uh, don't read it and, and uh, uh, so forth like that. There. So yes, the book is definitely controversial. But again. Uh, the challenge is not to fear the the, the the controversy. It's to look at it, take it, see it for what it is. Is there something I can learn from here? I don't know everything. What's the message I should get out of it? You know, and then I was able to grow from it. You know, and uh, it helped me to eliminate uh, or, or to see the, uh, uh, how I can uh, drift. So now I'm better equipped not to drift, which I don't want to be a drifter. I never thought I was a drifter, but believe me, I have gotten off the path. You know, so it's controversial. We all have. Absolutely. I follow, I follow, I follow. I I want you to stay right there and tell the listening audience where they can reach you outside of this conversation. 
I am Akbar Bayah, a business consultant with Black Pages International. Uh, you can reach me at Black Pages International. You can also email me at Akbar, A-K-B-A-R dot Bayah, B-E-Y-A-H, at yahoo.com. Also, my phone number is 773-507-0370. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you, Akbar. Eugene, why don't you tell the listening audience where they can reach you outside of this conversation? You can reach me at Blue Energy, B-L-U-E-E-N-E-R-G-Y, at sbcglobal.net. Visit our websites, www.blackpagesinternational.com and www.dolphintank.com. Good stuff, good stuff. Shalanda, why don't you tell the listening audience how they can reach you? Sure, you can reach me uh, via email at ihope.ppe at gmail.com. That's ihope.ppe at gmail.com. And thank you so much, John, for letting us have this platform. It is truly appreciated. I thank right. you both. Thank uh, you. I, I thank the three of you for joining us um, as we continue to our journey on su- success, trying to find success and freedom uh, by discovering the various truths that we uh, that we learned about and we discuss here uh, with Napoleon Hill, outwitting the devil. And I want to um, remind the listening audience that they could join us each and every Sunday at five thirty. They can like us on Facebook, Mighty Adina Sword. Also, find us online, www.m-tas.org. Again, that's www.m-tas.org. Join us back here next week, same time. And remember, MTAS is an organization that encourages reading and collective intellectual efforts towards enrichment. We believe that there's two types of people, people who don't know and people who don't care. And it's our role here at MTAS to make sure that you know and are aware to take actions against the various social ills and intellectually transmitted diseases that plagues our community and our country. I am responsible. We are responsible. Why don't you join the movement? www.m-tas.org. Thanks for listening. Take care of yourself and be good to your family. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.